Rube, we're getting closer to the potential beginning of winter sports. Uh, more and more things are happening around the sports world at Ripley High School, and I know this is something you and I are very excited about. This week, I had a chance to catch up with Davis Haynes. also had a chance to sit down with Ken Swisher, the longtime Lady Vikings softball coach, who's very excited to get back to work. Yeah, and I had a conversation um with Kim Randolph, and she played uh, Lady Viking basketball, was the team captain of the Lady Vikes uh, in 1977, and she is now uh, the executive director of the WVEA. We'll have a little musical entertainment from Isaac Putnam, who played Viking basketball a couple of years ago, and I have a couple of wrestling interviews. Chuck Jordan uh, was a wrestler with the class of 1981. He talks about his family's prominence in the history of uh, Ripley Wrestling. And we'll talk with current wrestler, uh, senior Andrew Manley. He recently signed his name on the dotted line to play college golf at West Virginia Wesleyan, but he's really hoping to play his senior season of Viking baseball. Here's Ripley senior, Davis Haynes. All right, welcome back inside Viking 360, joined now by Viking senior Davis Haynes. Davis, thanks for being with me, bud. Thanks for having me on, Brian. So, first of all, congratulations. Uh, newest commit to West Virginia Wesleyan golf team. Uh, have to be excited about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. It's kind of been a dream of mine for a while to play co- uh, college golf, and especially at Wesleyan, which is a school that I've always liked and always wanted to go to. And you and I talked about this the other day. You're going to get to play – Stonewall, that's going to be your home home course. And uh, look, man, you play Stonewall every day. You're either going to get better or you're going to take up bowling, one of the two, because that's a <laughs> tough golf course. Yeah, it's definitely a golf course. It'll make you hate yourself if you hit bad shots. What What are you looking forward to most of, about the experience? I know it's you still have your uh, senior season of baseball and the rest of your second semester to look forward to, but I know – uh, projecting ahead, uh, what is it about playing college golf you're most excited about? I'm most excited about competing. I mean, it's definitely going to be a way more competitive format than high school golf. I mean, this past year, I mean, the only time it really got competitive was regionals was kind of competitive and states was competitive. I mean, but outside of that, it's just, I mean, I'm a competitor and I like comp- competing. And I think at college it's going to make me get better and, what, and I'm going to have to beat and compete with a lot better players. What drew what drew you to go to to Westland? Well, obviously Stonewall. That's a that's a big one there. Getting to play that golf course for free whenever I want. But uh, the campus, I've always liked the campus up there, and their admissions and their counselors. They've always treated me very well and very welcoming. I've went up there on two visits. I've liked it both times. Um, they just hired a new golf coach, Coach Roberts. We talked a lot. We seemed to get along. She came watch me play golf. And um, she was very inviting. And I just really – I felt like the program and the school was going to be a really good fit for me. So before then, man, you still got a few months of being a, a Ripley Viking left, and hopefully that uh, entails some Viking baseball. Are you looking forward to that? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Last year kind of sucked, missed out on that. Worked hard all winter to not be able to play, which is one of the things. I mean, it was unprecedented. Nobody knew what was happening, but – and this year we're kind of running the same thing, but hopefully we can just get some clarity on when we're going to start and when the season's supposed to roll out and just go from there and win. That's got to be the hardest part for you, man, is just not knowing 
really any answers. I mean, you've been you've been told when your season is projected to start, but we all know that's one of those things that changes as the wind blows. Yeah. So how how have you dealt with that? Just keep working hard and keep uh, trying to stay prepared or, uh, you know, what, what types of things are you doing uh, right now to, to stem the tide? Yeah. I've just been like working out and stuff now and just kind of being ready and know and knowing, and I know that working out now is going to build on my golf game, but with baseball rolling around, it's, um, we just don't know. And that's just one of the things where we've kind of created the mentality that, whenever the time goes, it's go time. And you just have to be ready to roll with it. Whatever happens, adapt and overcome. Tell me about the 2021 edition of Viking baseball. What do you guys, uh, once you do make it out there on the diamond, what do you expect to see? Oh, uh, well, we got, uh, how many seniors do we have? Just off the top of my head. We got me, Gage Songers two, Cameron, three, Isaac, four, Sammy, five, Nate, six, Andrew, seven. There's seven or eight seniors this year playing. So, I think that's definitely going to help us have some experience out there. I mean, the past couple of years, we've always been an underclassman heavy team. I mean, my sophomore year, I think we had four or five seniors at the most. But um, this year will be an upperclassman heavy team, as you would say. And I think that's definitely going to help. And we got a couple incoming freshmen and some sophomores that I think are definitely going to start and contribute to the cause. What's what do you think the emotion is going to be like in that clubhouse prior to that first game? I know you guys are are just going to probably be just busting at the seams to get out there on the field and play. Oh yeah, I mean we've been anxious. I mean, a couple guys, some of us played this summer and stuff in some games, but it's just not the same as wearing that blue and white and going out there and playing for Ripley. It's just different. I'm gonna ask you a hard hitting question. Your coach slash manager slash skipper, whatever you call a baseball coach. Uh, he's on this podcast as well. And I asked him, why do they call a baseball coach a manager or a skipper? He, he didn't have an answer. You have any idea why? I feel like they call him a manager because there is a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, I think, that a lot of people don't see and don't understand. I mean, we have 35 games plus a season, and he's got to have the responsibility of scheduling all that stuff, keeping track of 20 guys on roster, making sure we're all prepared and he's the one who all the decisions fall on him kind of like a manager in a company and i think the and best see, way to describe it and see that's a better answer than your coach gave or your manager or your or skipper see so i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the, the win in that category and then also i asked him why do baseball coaches wear the full uniform of the team Oh, that's a tough one, too. I'm not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he brought up the point maybe Coach Smith would wear a, a wrestling singlet during a match or, or Coach Sayer would wear a full football uniform yeah, I've never seen or football Coach Parsons would wear a basketball uniform. No, I, I don't know with that one. That one is a tough one. It's just always been part of the game. I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those traditions that shouldn't go away. I just think it's uh, I think it's something to, funny to hear people's uh, input on that and get what they think about it. Davis? Buddy, you've had a great career. We look forward to seeing what you do in baseball this year. Congratulations on the basketball or the uh, golf scholarship, rather, and uh, heading up to Wesley, and we look forward to it. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. She was the one-time captain of the Lady Viking basketball team. Now she's one of the most influential education leaders in the state of West Virginia. How does this sound for a high school career? 
she was a member of the basketball team, but also a team captain of the Lady Vikings, a member of the track and field team, and also qualified uh, for the state meet, a member of Mr. Fred Batten's uh, marching band at the high school, and became a section leader. And during all of this, she managed to become a valedictorian with the class of 1977. Welcome to the podcast, Kim Randolph. Kim, thank you. Oh, thank you, Mike. How did you manage to talk about uh, Ripley High School? Yeah, how did you manage to squeeze all those activities and still become the class valedictorian? You know, I I I don't know. It was just very fortunate. I I I think I I um I had two parents that kind of kept after me, made sure my grades were were kept up, and and helped me along the way. And I have to tell you, all those other activities were just fun, and you you enjoy them. You made great friends. Uh, and uh, my time at Ripley High is one of the happiest times of my life. I have to tell you, it was just a great experience and uh, a lot of great memories from there. Well, Kim, if, as you look back, uh, particularly in the field of, of athletics, what are some of the memories uh, that stand stand out for you during your days at uh, Ripley High? Well, you know, um, we, we, uh, coming into my freshman year, we had no girls' athletics. We were the really... My sophomore year, and and the, the the classes before me, we were the we were the first Title IX kids. We were the first kids to have uh, girls' athletic teams and and women's sports teams. And the we we had uh, for the first year we had uh, basketball and and uh, track, and then we had kind of a, a little co-ed tennis thing going. But um, you know it was it was interesting. Uh, we were you know kind of. Um, Picked out a phys ed class, thinking that we maybe had some coordination, um, and uh, tried to, to put a team together. So it was uh, it was my sophomore year. So it was the girls in the in the freshman, sophomore, junior classes up through there, and we were the the first uh, Lady Vikings uh, in in the Title Nine era. And it was it was it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, none of us knew what we were doing because you know we'd never played team sports before. Uh, girls didn't do that. We. They didn't even make girls sneakers. I mean, we all had these boys Chuck Taylors that we wore, and we had socks stuffed in. We wore three or four pairs of socks and had stuff stuck in the ends of them to, to fit. So it was it was quite it was it was interesting and it was fun. Uh, we we didn't know what we were doing, but we we had a good time. We tried real hard. Kim, after high school, you went on to major in education at Marshall, and I'm assuming that there might have been a teacher along the way that may have had a positive influence on you and, and made you decide to go down that road. Yeah, I mean, gosh, there were, there were a whole a whole group of teachers that were just they were just great and you think you know you, you like them at the time and then you, you think about it later and you think gosh those were just just wonderful teachers um they were very encouraging um they helped you in any way possible and um you know i i have to say there was all through my my elementary middle school high school i, I just had a great group of teachers and i hate to start naming any because i'd leave them out but but, you know, they were just some, some great folks. And you don't really appreciate some of the things that you learn until you go to college and you find out you're, you're so far ahead of some of the other students. And you think, gosh, I, that class was good. Uh, I really did learn a lot. And um, it, it, I was just appreciative. I mean, I think um, uh, teachers at every age level kind of, you know, take the kids and raise them as their own. And I just always felt... Um, um, a personal 
relationship to a lot of them, and I, I just really appreciate them. Kim, after high school, uh, you began uh, your your um, coaching and teaching career at Work County, and you had some success there with the Tigers. I did. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed teaching. I, I loved it. Um, I taught at the high school. I taught um, social studies and science, and uh, I really did enjoy it. Um, coached both the uh, girls' basketball team and the volleyball team. Um, the basketball team, we had a couple of good years, uh, but I had a super good volleyball team, and uh, some of my players went on, um, played in college, and um, uh, one of them was uh, just re retired as the coach there, and one has won like a dozen state championships with him. So um, I, I really uh, enjoyed that. I enjoyed um, watching the kids grow and uh, see how they turned out. I think that was a that was a great time. Um, some really good folks up there too. And Kim, after leaving Work County, you sort of uh, it seemed like you found a home with the West Virginia Education Association and spent uh, quite a bit of time there. And uh, most recently, just this year, uh, you were hired as the executive director. So congratulations on that well, position. You. And uh, tell us, what is, uh, what is job one with you at the WVEA? Well, you know, um, I, I love teaching. Uh, I love public education. Uh, it's been uh, an important part of my life. And I wanted to do something to try and make it better. So I came to work for the WVA and advocated for, for kids, for public schools, for our educators. And um, I still do that today. I mean, the, the most important thing is making sure that um, our schools have the proper funding, um, staffing, and, and resources that they need to provide a great education for every kid. Uh, you know, I, a kid can grow up from anywhere and be anything these days, but uh, with a good public school and a good group of teachers to, to show them the way. Kim, I, I know that with the COVID-19 situation, it has affected nearly everyone, but it has been uh, particularly challenging for those in the field of education. So what role do you play in trying to figure out that formula between uh, what is safe and, and where we go as far as uh, the education profession goes? Yeah, that's that's tough because everybody has a different comfort level with with what their safety um, uh, net is with with COVID. But you know, you, you you try to make sure that everyone's following the CDC guidelines and social distancing and mask wearing. Um, I think um, I, I think we've worked hard to to help teachers who who have. Um, our, health problems or, or family members with health problems, I think we've worked hard to make sure there are some accommodations made for them so that they don't risk their family by, by, by reporting to work. And so I, I think I think everybody is, is in a situation that, that, that maybe they're a little uncomfortable with, but, but hopefully they're, we're doing it in the safest way possible. Uh, we've been advocating with the state board, with the governor and with others to try to make sure that, that uh, there's, there's that balance between kids needing to be in school but, but not getting in there while it's not safe. Folks, she grew up on the, out Sycamore and had a out very Sycamore. successful career uh, in at Ripley High School and has gone on to become an education leader in the state of West Virginia. Kim, thank you so much for spending time with us and best of luck to you. Well, thank you very much and uh, hello to everybody back home. And this year's Lady Viking basketball team gets the season underway with a March 3rd trip to Lincoln County.
Here's an update on a 2019 Ripley grad. As a Viking, he was known for his basketball skills. As a college student, he's taking on the challenges of a difficult academic schedule, and he's also making music. Our guest on Viking 360 is Isaac Putnam, who graduated from Ripley High with the class of 2019. He was only part of the Viking basketball program for one season, but made quite an impact. He had averaged about 15 points per game, seven rebounds per game, and 2.5 steals per game. Isaac, thanks for, for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Isaac, you have an interesting situation uh, now, a student at uh, Glenville State College, and you, you are double majoring, and tell us uh, about uh, what you are studying at Glenville. Well, uh, as you said, I'm double majoring, and uh, one of them is a major in chemistry, and another is a major in bluegrass, and uh, it makes for a good bit of hours, as there's not a lot of classes that really cross over <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> And your family uh, has quite a tradition when it comes to uh, bluegrass music. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so it all kind of started with my dad's dad, and he um, picked up a guitar when he was a teenager and uh, started playing when he was a teenager, and then as he got older, he kind of developed into a, somewhat of a bluegrass musician. And then as my dad was a kid, um, probably from the age of eight to... About 17, him and his dad and uh, my dad's older brother, they'd go around kind of to real local spots and jam around and play bluegrass music. And uh, so once my dad got to be about 20, he went on the road with a few bands. And, uh, you know, that's he kind of solidified himself a little bit as a bluegrass musician. And um, eventually he uh, met my mom. And they got married, and my mom joined his bluegrass band, <laughs> and um, they formed a new group, and it was my dad, my mom, and then my dad's two parents. And they formed a gospel bluegrass group called the Putnam Family, and they traveled around mostly West Virginia and then through Ohio, um, playing all kinds of little churches and places. And then um, when my dad and my mom started having us kids, um, they would test us to see if we were we had any type of musical ability. And by the time we were four, five, and six, we were also playing instruments and singing, and pretty much my whole childhood growing up, we've been traveling around West Virginia and uh, out, out of state, Pennsylvania and Ohio, and mostly east on the eastern side. And, uh, you know, most in the summers, and playing at churches and bluegrass spots and it's really been a big part of uh my growing up and isaac i understand that you recently uh, released an album yeah i did um it's titled bluegrass pioneer i spent probably about a year in making it i started it at the end of my senior year at ripley but um with covid i haven't really uh released it yet but um i've been mailing it to people and after COVID clears, we're planning on having a uh, like a set performance here in Glenville. They uh, recently built a new stage out by the Ike and Sue Morris complex. I, Ike Morris is a friend of ours, and he built a stage. And we're going to have a uh, a big performance there for kind of an unveiling for my record. 
That's great. And I know that uh, you also uh, competed at the Vandalia Gathering down in Charleston, and you placed uh, in both the mandolin and the flat pick guitar. That's pretty tough competition down there, too. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, think I, I think I earned... I can't quite remember what my placement was. I don't want to overshoot myself. Well, I think one was... It might have been fourth place for both. But uh, that was, it was definitely uh, nerve-wracking. It's a whole different feel when you're, uh, you know every note is being judged and scored on a scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a normal performance. Isaac, when it comes to uh, uh, the long-term picture for you, what do you see yourself doing uh, five, ten years down the road? Well, um, what I plan on doing now is graduating through the Glenville uh, chemistry program and sticking through the honors program here at Glenville and then picking up hopefully, uh, you know, all plans, if they all go ahead, I'll have a high enough GPA and get a scholarship to go to WVU for their grad school and physical therapy. And then um, I know that WVU has a strong partnership with the VA hospital up around Clarksburg. And um, I, I've heard from a lot of graduates from their physical therapy program from WVU that it's they pretty much, you know, are, are good about being, being able to find a job once they graduate WVU, whether it's at the VA or at other hospitals that uh, WVU's programs respected enough. And um, so I plan to be a physical therapist at a hospital, um, hopefully within the next five to ten years. Well, I think you're well on your way. I noticed that you made the uh, provost honor roll, and to make that list, you have to have a GPA of 3.5 or higher. So we congratulate you on, on that as well. Well, thank you. And uh, speaking of music, I was wondering, uh, Isaac, if you might uh, pick up the guitar and, and play a little tune for us here so folks can, can get a little taste of what the uh, musical side of Isaac Putnam is. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll just play a little something here. Isaac, thank you so much for being the first musical guest on the Viking 360 podcast. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for having me. And this year's Vikings will get their season underway with a March 5th game against the Nitro Wildcats. There have been several examples where wrestling becomes a family tradition. The Martin family included several great wrestlers, 
and the Smith brothers, Matt and Mitch, were both state champs. Such is the case with this Ripley family in the late 70s and early 80s. I was looking at a 1981 Ripley High wrestling picture, and uh, pictured together on the back row, you had uh, the late Steve Jordan. In the middle, you had uh, his older brother Chuck Jordan, and to his right was his sister Rhea Jordan, who was a statistician. So wrestling uh, was a family event for the Jordans, and that included mom and dad too. So Chuck, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about uh, the history of Ripley High Wrestling. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. It's, it's always fun to talk about wrestling. You know, Chuck, uh, now at the uh, Chansey Walker Facility Building, there is a wrestling room where they can leave the mat out all the time, and it's right next door to a pretty impressive uh, weight room. But it wasn't like that <laughs> in your era. And as a matter of fact, you could say that the uh, wrestling facility was pretty much uh, your basement up on Winter's Drive. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, my, my dad, you know, he would always network everywhere he went when it comes to the wrestling tournaments, and he got to know Bill Archer Huntington and, and talked to him, and, and Bill Archer ended up uh, setting us up with a, with a wrestling mat in our basement and had the day in the middle and, and everything, and he also bought us a, a doctor scale so we could weigh, and so after practice a lot of times, but, um, three or four or five guys would come up, and work out after practice, and and we had a heater in there and to lose weight. So yeah, we had a we had a lot of good times. And when you talk about when he talks about his father uh, Pete, uh, he was the uh, longtime president of the Ripley High School Athletic Boosters, and really played uh, an instrumental role not only in wrestling but in, in all sports. Uh, he coached a lot of baseball and was around the football program, but uh, he was a real contributor uh, to Ripley High athletics, and that includes uh, getting Ripley involved in the midget league wrestling program. Yep. Yeah, he. Uh Obviously, if anybody knows, my brother and I, we were pretty small when we were growing up, and we, we tried to play basketball, but my dad could see the handwriting on the wall that we weren't going to be good enough and big enough, so Tom Good, who was, the, I believe he was the county recreation director at the time, he, he approached my dad about wanting to start a midget league program, and so my dad, I guess, uh, Will started clicking in his head, and he, and he, and he came home and told my mom he'd like to work on this, you know, try, try to get us in that sport that we could actually excel at. So that's how kind of that, that all got started. And he, you know, he, my dad talked to the high school coach. I, I'm sure I forget who it was. Might have been over at the time. I'm not sure. So maybe I'm not sure. But anyway, he talked to the high school wrestlers and they would all come down and help and coach us. I know Steve Winters was involved. I know the Tommy Hayes' brothers were involved and there were others. I can't remember all of them, but they would, we would wrestle it. We would go down to the, um, where they, where the old junior high was and we'd wrestle in there. And there was a building beside the T-ball field. Do you remember that, Mike? I, can't I, remember I that do before. indeed. It used to be an old, uh, paper factory that, uh, yeah. went out of business and, and it was, uh, it was utilized by a couple of the, uh, athletic teams at the high school there for a while. Yeah. We wrestle in there and we re and we'd wrestle up in the, um, the high school cafeteria and we'd just get, just exercise mats or whatever they could put, throw together. And one, let me just one quick story. Uh, Billy Simon, I remember when the first time he ever came out, and, you know, he was better than me, but it, I'd, been, I'd been wrestling probably three or four years by then, and I, they put me with him to, to help him, you know, learn some stuff. And I'll never forget, just, just 
telling people, and my mom even remembers this, and I just talked to her about it. I came home, and I said, he's going to be good. <laughs> and I was right. He was really good. And, of so. course, uh, Billy Simon ended up being a, a two-time uh, state wrestling champion. Yep. It, I think he should have been four, but he, he was good enough. That's for sure. He was really good. <laughs> So your family was really involved, uh, really, in, in the wrestling program uh, from an early age, and that continued all the way through your high school years. And uh, Chuck, tell us about uh, what, what you're doing now. Bring us up to date on the, the life and times of Chuck Jordan today. Well, I've been living in Florida for pretty much half my life. Um, ever since I was transferred from Marshall, my mom and my dad moved down to Florida. So... Um, we transferred down, my brother and I transferred down to UCF in, in, in Central Florida in Orlando. And we both got business degrees, degrees from there. And then I ended up going into uh, work for uh, McKesson Medical. And um, we've been real involved with this whole COVID-19 thing. Uh, you've probably even seen some references on TV. But yeah, we, you know, I've, I've been a global person, so I have to buy a lot of masks, a lot of PPE. So that's basically what I've been doing. I've been working there for 22 years. That's great, Chuck. Yeah. Chuck, thank you so much uh, for uh, spending some time with us and explaining the background for the people who don't know the history behind uh, the, the role that your family played in Ripley High School Wrestling. That's fantastic. You're welcome. Former Vikings Chance and Chase Morgan are competing for the Mountain East Conference Championships this weekend. Both take seven and one records into Saturday's tournament at West Liberty. He's making the transition from a sport where the low score wins to a sport where the high score wins. And he's going from concentrating on putts to concentrating on pins. Our guest on Viking 360 is Andrew Manley, an outstanding athlete at Ripley High. He's already been... Uh, to the uh, state golf tournament this year. He went to the state wrestling tournament last year. Unfortunately, he did not have the opportunity to go to the state baseball tournament uh, a year ago due to the, due to the COVID-19 situation, but hopefully that will change this time around. So, Andrew, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, thank you for having me. Well, uh, you had a great golf season, and uh, you're, now you're getting ready for wrestling. That's uh, an unusual combination, going from uh, golf to wrestling. How does that work for you? Uh, it's just uh, just a mindset change. Uh, you got to, instead of being slow and slowing your pace down, just really focusing, wrestling, and just go out there and let it all out. And Andrew, how many years have you been uh, in the wrestling program, and, and where do you think you, that you'll fit into the Viking program this year in terms of weight classes? Um, I've been uh, freshman and sophomore year, I was heavyweight. Um, then junior year, I was 220, and this year, I'm weighing about 202 right now, and I'm hoping to drop down to 182 or 195, wherever they need me to find up. That's great. And uh, and how do you focus on wrestling? You've had so many uh, delays already this year, but does that has that been uh, has that made it better or worse because you've had more time to get ready, or because you've had all the delays? Has that made it more difficult? Um, it's made it, it's made it difficult in some ways, like uh, how you don't get your team practices in always, and you don't get the extra time with your team to 
really see like where everyone's at and see what you need to work on, but also you get to work on yourself and like see where you're at personally. So you can you can go out and practice exactly what you know you need to do. Where sometimes in practice you need a little bit of like a little bit of self self practice with yourself just to see where you're at. But I think I think it's helped me in some ways because I'm able to get out there. I'm able to go run when I need to. But I'm also, I miss my team. Good bet. Andrew, this year uh, we know it's a very distinct possibility that there's going to be some type of overlap between wrestling and when baseball season starts. Uh, have you thought about that or talked about that uh, with the different coaches? Uh, yeah, we had a little conversation about it, but I don't think it's going to be a big problem. I'm, re- I'm ready to play. I'm ready to practice both sports because I'm not... I'm not going to get one up for the other. I, I have a passion for wrestling. I have a passion for baseball. And I'm going to do uh, both at the best of my ability. And, Andrew, you said that you're keeping your options open in terms of uh, collegiate athletics. Uh, it could be a, a future in, in any number of sports. But uh, you were also telling me that you're keeping your options open in terms of your post-graduation uh, plans. Yeah, uh... I'm thinking, thinking about going to like a trade school, become an electrician in that type in that type of a sense. Maybe a lineman somewhere in there. But also, I thought about also going to college and uh, pursuing a uh, sport up there. Well, you know, uh, three sport athletes—they uh, used to be rather commonplace, but uh, they are indeed pretty rare in uh, in high school sports today. So, we um, we tip our cap to you for playing three sports, and wish you best of luck in the upcoming wrestling and baseball seasons. All right. Well, thank you. And Ripley High's wrestlers will open the season at home on March 3rd against the Herbert Hoover Huskies and the George Washington Patriots. He's been separated from his team for nearly a year now, and that's been a difficult task for him. But Brian Johnson has this conversation with Lady Vikings softball coach Ken Swisher. All right, welcome back inside Viking 360, joined now by a good friend of the uh, program, a good friend of Viking 360, uh, Lady Vikings softball coach Ken Swisher. Coach, thanks for being with me. Um, You're welcome. It's been a while, so uh, we need to get started and hopefully uh, get everybody back out here working. Coach, first and foremost, thank you for being so patient getting this done. We, You and I have had some issues back and forth uh, getting this interview done. And uh, let me just say, I look forward to being able to do face-to-face interviews again. That'll be good. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's probably the best thing that I'm good at, if, if I'm good at anything at all. <laughs> Coach, what has it been like? I know we've... Uh, we've at nauseum talked about this, especially with spring sport uh, and winter sport coaches that dealt with what they dealt with last year. But it's been a long time since you've had an opportunity to be with your team. Well, first of all, it's frustrating, um, you know, and uh, the kids, uh, uh, you know, keep asking uh, when we're going to be able to do anything and, and how soon and, and uh what and uh, we didn't have any answers and uh, we still don't have any answers we're just going to do the best that we can we're going to come out we're going to work hard we're going to put our uh, talent out there which we do have a lot of talent uh, coming back here and we'll just uh, do do what we can do and and uh, remember uh, 
life life's a lesson. Uh, you just have to experiment with it and see what happens. Coach, that's one of the things that has always struck me about your teams and the opportunities we've had to cover them or, or watch them play. Uh, how hard they play, number one, and number two, how much fun they have. And I, I think that is really indicative of the culture that you've tried to build around that program is to play hard and, and have fun with it. Ultimately, you're playing a game. Let's go have fun. Yeah, I, um, I'm i proud of that. Uh, I, I think that's one of the things that we've been able to get across the, to the kids that uh, it is a game. You're going to learn a lot of lessons from it, valuable lessons that carry you through life. And uh, so if you don't make mistakes, then you're probably uh, playing at the wrong level. You should be playing someplace <laughs> else because you're going to make mistakes no matter what. And uh, we learn from them. We uh, go to practice and we work on those mistakes and uh, we try to get stronger and stronger. And once we hit the, the tournament at the end of the year, hopefully we're solid enough that we can uh, make some waves. Well, I know it's been a while since you've had a chance to evaluate your team, but tell us uh, a little bit about about the 2021 edition of Lady Viking softball that uh, is still a few months away, to be quite honest with you, when you're going to be able to, to throw that first pitch out. Well, we, we've got some seniors here that I think is going to carry us this year. Uh, and they've, they've stuck with us all the way up through. We have six of them, and I'd like to mention those. And uh, starting out with uh, Chloe Shannon, pitcher, uh, Laney Shoulders, a, a center fielder, Grace Walsh, one of the best uh, catchers I've ever coached. Uh, Kyle Winter, one of the best hitters I've ever coached. Uh, Emily Jordan, a, a very good all-around player, can play infield and outfield. And then Emma Jenkins is the same type. She can play infield and outfield also. And the, these kids, when you end up with, with six seniors, uh, and then you have a, a good solid group coming behind them, it just... Uh, gives you that excitement like you know we can take this one to the next level i believe if we can get enough practices in and uh just stick with it and learn learn from everything that we go through during the regular season of course it's been a while and everybody will get to a slow start but they've set this thing up uh, to our advantage we're going to have better weather since we're starting later and we're going to have extra practices uh so I think that's going to benefit these kids to get them back playing like we know they can. Tell me about the practice situation. Uh, when do you actually get to start and uh, how far off uh, is that when you can actually get with your team? Well, as far as getting with them, we're going to work out here uh, at the middle of Feb uh, February right here. And it'll take us down as far as just working out with uh, – weight training and exercises and stuff to the 15th of March. The 15th of March, we're allowed to start using all of our equipment, our, our bats, balls, gloves, and all that stuff. And then we still have three and a half weeks. And the weather's going to be way better than it ever was before from that there for uh, three and a half weeks. So we should be able to get outside a lot. And uh, before it was hard to get outside very much. And, you know, with every good day that we could uh, create by using the tarp, keeping the water off the field and everything, uh, before, it, most of the time it was around four or five or six times out Then we were playing. Now I expect to be outside 10 to 15 times before we start playing. And that's going to make, that, that's going to help so much. 
Coach, when you when you think about uh, you know having that much time to prepare, you know everyone's going to be super excited to get out there, practice, be back out on the field together. You get a week and a half into it, practice starts to get a little stale. Typically, uh, you know, I was a player, you were a player. Everyone gets tired of practicing; they want to play. Your challenge will be to keep them focused on uh, that game when it comes, uh, even a little later this year. Do you think that's going to be an issue, or do you think the excitement of just being back out there is going to be enough? I think the excitement is going to be enough. It'll carry us for quite a while, but you know, it's like anything else. Once you get about two and a half to three and a half weeks in, we're ready to play, and uh, the kids uh, will they'll they'll show us by their uh, attitudes when they come. They'll, they'll be a little bit slower and not as excited when practice starts. So. You know, a good coach, <clears throat> you find ways to create that excitement. You can have your own scrimmage, uh, you know, inter-squad scrimmage, and also you can play little games with them. That, does, that They're going to learn little things from them, not realizing it, but we uh, we have fun with it. And, and th- these little things, uh, you know, I think that with our senior leadership and stuff, we will have very few practices that we're, we don't learn something from. Uh, I'm counting on those seniors to, to give us uh, that last uh, push to be ready. And we have two extremely tough teams for our scrimmages this year. That's the Wahama team. They've got an outstanding All-State pitcher. And then uh, Point Pleasant, they've got an All-State pitcher. And uh, we're going to scrimmage both of those before we get us started. Coach, uh I appreciate you coming on with me. I know it's it's been a little bit of a challenge for us to connect, and I appreciate your patience. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you all are able to do this year. You you guys are typically in the conversation. You guys do a great job preparing your ladies for uh, for the, the field and the competition, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck this year, and I'm, hopefully we'll check back in with you during the season. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that, and uh, go Lady Vikes. That'll do it for another episode of Viking 360. Stay tuned, folks. Beginning in March, it's going to be a very busy Viking sports schedule. I have 45 games scheduled to broadcast from March 5th through June 3rd. Stay tuned. We're looking forward to it. Remember, for all the news on the blue, go anywhere you can find podcasts, search Viking 360, hit the subscribe button, and turn on your notifications.